Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, This weekend, we're in part two of our series, We Are Family. And last weekend, we covered three of our core values. And that's really what we're doing during the series is going through our core values. Who are we? Who has God called us to be? And what does that mean for you? What does that mean for the people around us? And how does that impact our world? Uh, our, our vision statement here at Summit is we want to see every life made different. So we want to see every single person transformed by the power of God for the glory of God. That's what we want. Um, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, we want you to be transformed, to be empowered, to, to grow, to become who God wants you to be. And uh, not just here in our church, but in Indiana County, in Western PA, nationally, globally, we want to see the power of God work. And we've got a team coming back from Zambia right now um, because we believe that strongly in seeing the world change for God's power, uh, glory. So, so that's, what, that's what our vision statement is. And today we're going to look at one of our core values. One of our core, this is one of my favorite too, because I think this is one of the things that really marks true Christians from the rest of the world, and that's radical generosity. Our, our statement in regard to radical generosity is God is radically generous, and we want the world to see that in how we live and how we give. So many times when we talk about generosity, we talk about it in the context of our finances, that they're generous or not, and it's dependent on how they use their money or their possessions. Uh, And that is definitely true, but I've known people who were willing to write a check, but they were unwilling to extend grace or mercy. They they were willing to write a check, but they didn't wanna serve or give their time. And I believe what God wants from us is that we will be generous in every avenue of our life. Every aspect of our life will reflect the generosity of God because God has truly been generous toward us and to us. And so we wanna see that lived out. We wanna see... Our church embody that um, in how we live and how we give. Uh, Now, there's a resource for this weekend that I'll tell you about. It's called The Blessed Life. It's a book by Pastor Robert Morris. And it's it's a book that has informed me and helped me. And I know a number of people in our church have read this book as well. It's a great resource for just how to live um, biblically when it comes to the area of our finances and our possessions. And... I would really encourage you, check out this book. Go find it on Amazon, buy it, because it'll be a good resource, resource for you if you wanna go a little further with this topic today. So one of the things you've heard, and it's a cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason, but giving is about the heart. And we've heard this before, and sometimes we don't think it's true. We think it's a fallacy, that it's not really about the heart, but it 100% is, it is true. Giving is about our heart. Um, God is interested in capturing our hearts, but he has to go through our wallets to do that sometimes. And our, our hearts is what he's really after because God is not short of cash. He's not trying to figure out how he's gonna pay his bills. And, uh, and let me say this as well, our church isn't either. So this sermon today, um, this was not a response to the recent global financial slowdown, not recession. That's not what that is. Um, That's not what this, we're not responding to that. It's not like I was looking at the finances and I was like, oh my gosh, those people need to give some more money. I better preach on. And if you've been around, you know, we we typically plan our sermon series out a long time ahead of time. Uh, This one, we knew kind of where we were going with our core values and that we'd be talking about radical generosity 
a year ago, 11 months ago, well before anything was going on in the, in the economy. And let me say this for the record as well. Um, our, our income is still ahead of what we projected when we budgeted for 2022. So we're about 5% ahead of what we projected we would be at this point in the year. And so we're not in trouble, we're not hurting. So don't read anything into this message today other than the fact that God wants us to live generously. This is not about trying to get your money. This is about bringing our hearts into alignment with God's heart. And this is why discipleship and generosity are uh, inextricably linked. They are connected. That if somebody really wants to be a follower of Jesus, they have to live generously. And if they're not living generously, they're not really being a disciple of Jesus because generosity is who Jesus is. He gave, for God so loved the world that he gave. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. So it's important for us to put Jesus first in our lives. Um, and I'll say it this way. When we put God first in our lives, everything else falls into order. But nothing in our life is right when God is not first. When, when God is first, Everything else is right when God is first, when he occupies the highest place of affection in my heart and the highest place of honor in my heart, everything else begins to work correctly. I'm a better husband, a better dad, a better boss, a better pastor, all those things. I'm better because God is first in my life. But if God is not first in my life, no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be as good as I could be if he was first. My life is disordered if God is not first. So Kim is still in Texas, and I miss her. I'm ready for her to come home. Please come home. Um, I'm ready. I miss her. Uh, and so I've had a few people ask, are you, how are you doing? You've been eating out a lot? You've been eating a lot of meadows or a pizza? And it's like, nope, I've been cooking a lot. I like to cook. I don't mind it. But my wife does these things, these meals that you order, and they send you the meal pre-packaged, and then you just cook it. You have to follow the directions and cook it. And, uh, and it's supposed to be convenient, but the thing is it says 20 minutes of prep time. And apparently that is true if you're Gordon Ramsay, right? But if you are me, it's like 60 minutes prep time. It takes forever. And it's, oh, it's just a lot. And these, these recipes are very specific. See, when I cook stuff, um, I can just throw some stuff together and oh, it'll be fine if I do this. And it can go in any order because it's not really that good anyway, right? But if you're following if you're trying to get to a specific endpoint, see these recipes are like, here's the picture of what it should look like at the end. If you wanna get there, you better follow the recipe. When it says to do something, you better do it. There's a, there's a sequence that you're supposed to follow in order to get the, the product that you desire. And this is the same in our life. There's a sequence we need to follow if we wanna get the, the, the produce, the product that we wanna see in our life. And the problem is many of us are saying, God, I'm not seeing the end result that I want in my life. And the problem is our life is disordered. It's like me saying, oh, they don't know this recipe. I'm gonna do it how I want. And then it doesn't turn out the way I want. And I blame the recipe. I blame HelloFresh. It's their fault. They didn't know how to do it. No, it was my fault. I did it in the wrong order. And see, sometimes we're not blessed because we are doing things in the wrong order. We haven't put God first in our lives. And let me back up just a little bit too. We have hijacked the word blessed in our culture. We think the word blessed means big house, nice car, all the money I need, esteem, all the stuff, right? We think if we're blessed, we're gonna get everything on our Amazon wish list. And that is not what blessing looks like. What if blessing is not 
all that stuff, but what if it looks different? What if it's what we actually need and what not what we think we need? That's what God is after. God wants us to be blessed. It doesn't mean we're gonna drive the nicest car, that have the biggest house, or have the most money in our account. What it means is we're gonna have the stuff we actually need. So God will be first. He is first, no matter what. And this all goes back to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we see this principle at work. Um, the, the nation of Israel, they have, they have left Egypt and they're wandering. God speaks to them through Moses. And this is what God says. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the promised land, and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you're to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And some of you are thinking right now, what does this have to do with generosity, right? All you heard was break the donkey's neck. And you're like, can't get the visual out of your brain now. You're like, what in the world? What kind of church is this? So let me help you with this. This is a principle that God sets forth. He's trying to help his people understand something. And what he's saying is, basically, the firstborn belongs to God. The firstborn is God's. And this was true um, in humans and in um, their livestock as well. The firstborn was God's. So until Numbers chapter three, God required the firstborn male in each family to become a priest because literally the firstborn was God's. Um, and that shifted, but there was still this understanding that there was a different weight, there was a different responsibility on the firstborn male in each family. Uh, with the firstborn in the livestock, this is what it says, that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And the question is, how do you decide if something's supposed to be sacrificed or redeemed? And in this passage, it kind of gives us a clue because what it talks about are, are lambs and donkeys. And lambs were clean. They were clean according to Jewish culture and donkeys were unclean. And so what it's saying is, um, basically, the clean has to be sacrificed and the unclean has to re be redeemed by the sacrifice of the, un of the clean. So the donkey can only be redeemed by the sacrifice of the lamb. That if the firstborn donkey is not redeemed, it has to be killed because the firstborn belongs to God. And God is trying to help us understand this principle that God is first, that this practical way of saying, hey, God is first in our lives. The first belongs to God. So God, this is yours. And this is a, a picture. This is foreshadowing of what's to come because we are the unclean. We are unclean because we're born into sin. We're unclean because we're flawed. We are the donkeys. Some of you have been calling your spouse a donkey for years and now, now I'm agreeing with them. This is what it says in Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, verse 15, Paul tells the Colossian church this. He's talking about Jesus and he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And what he's saying here is Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is first. He occupies that position in our lives, and maybe not in our lives, but in our world. And he says that, that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. 
So think about the cultural context. He says, Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. He was the lamb that was slain. And the lamb is slain, he sacrificed to redeem the donkey. The clean is sacrificed to redeem the unclean. And this is an important principle because again, God is reminding his people, I am first. God is always first. And we will say things like God first, but we don't always mean it because our actions are different than our words and our heart, right? So we'll say, oh God, you're first in my life, but God's not first in our life many times. There's a whole list of other things that are first in our lives. But, but this principle is true that, that, that God is first in our world whether we put him first or not. And so what God's desire is, is that, that our hearts will align with what is truth, that God is first, that we will acknowledge that in our own lives and say, God, I acknowledge that you are in the first place of authority, you're in the first place of honor, you're in the first place of affection in my life. And when we do that, our lives are ordered correctly. This is why God commands us, gives us instruction in scripture to tithe. Now, Tithe is a churchy word that you don't hear outside of church, uh, but it, it literally means first tenth is what it means. And, um, and there's a lot of discussion in church about tithe. What does it mean? And what do you, do I tithe off the gross or off the net? Do I tithe pre-tax or post-tax? Um, and where can I tithe? And all these kinds of, there's lots of questions. And we won't get into all the weeds today, uh, but if you'd like to talk about some of that, I'd be happy to. You can shoot me an email. I can email back and forth with you. We can sit down and talk. You can ask after, the, after we're done today. I would be happy to visit with you about some of that stuff. But the reality is the tithe isn't about the money. Tithe's not about getting from you to God. Tithe is about putting you in a position where your heart comes in alignment with God. Just like the children of Israel understood, hey, the firstborn belongs to God. The tithe is about bringing our hearts into alignment with God and saying, hey, the first belongs to God because God is first. So what is tithing? Tithing simply is just returning to God what is God's. Giving back to God what belongs to him. It's already his, so let's, Give it back. And tithe is not 10%. Tithe is the first 10%. See, the, the faith to give the first one activates blessing in our lives. When uh, last week we talked about this, this idea of big faith and the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. And when they crossed the Jordan River, the river was at flood stage. So it required big faith. God, this river is bigger than what we imagined it would be. So we're gonna cross now. And God performed a miracle. They crossed on dry ground and they crossed at Jericho. And God gave them specific instructions. And he said, when you loot this city, it doesn't belong to you. It all belongs to me because this was the first city in the promised land. And he said, everything you get belongs to me. And again, it was not because God had a gas bill coming up he was trying to pay. It was not because he was late on his, uh, his phone bill, right? It was because God said, I want you to understand this principle that I am first. I come first because I am, I'm God. I want you to re remember this. So they cross over and they, they honor God by making him first in the situation. And just like, just like the, the firstborn redeems the rest, the first redeems the whole. There's this principle in scripture, it's the principle of the first, that the first governs the rest. And what we see in Romans chapter 11, verse 16, we see this passage that says, if the, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. 
Now, normally I won't just take a passage of scripture and lift it out of context and share it with you, but the specifics aren't as important as this principle. And the principle that, that they're laying out here in the book of Romans is that it's the principle of the first, that the first governs the rest. And what he's saying is the first piece of dough, if the first piece of dough is holy, the whole lump of dough is holy. If it's bad, it's all bad. If the root is holy, what it produces is holy as well. And this word here, first, this first piece, the first in the Greek is a parquet. And a parquet just means first fruits. And maybe if you've grown up or been around church, you've heard this phrase, first fruits, before. And it doesn't make sense to us because we're not agrarian. We're not, for the most part, we're not farmers. And we're not bringing in, you know, the first of our harvests to church. Like, that's not how this works. So what does it mean? Well, it's just, it's the first fruits in Scripture. And this is what it is. This is a compound word of two other words, set apart and first. So we talked about this 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 word set apart in the Greek back in uh, January. We went through our series, Holier Than Thou. And we talked about this idea that God is holy and holy means set apart for a set apart purpose. That God is different than us. And what we see is the first fruit literally is the holy first. That when we put God first, that he makes it holy. That that first governs the rest. That it makes it all holy. This is what Jesus did when he redeemed us. The first redeems the rest. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says this, honor the Lord with your wealth. And some of you are like, I'm not wealthy, so I'm good, right? I don't have anything to worry about. But it's talking about our possessions there, what we have, what we have in our hand. And with the first fruits of all you produce, this is your increase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And this is not, I know we got some of our IUP students back. I love you guys. I'm glad to have you back. When it says your, your, your vats will be bursting with wine, it does not mean we're having a party. We got all the wine. We're ready to have a party. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is you will have enough. You will have plenty. And in this day and age, um, clean drinking water wasn't always easy to find. So sometimes they had to drink wine. Um, because they didn't have clean drinking water. And so what he's saying essentially is you will have enough. You will have what you need if you honor the Lord with your possessions, with what you have, and with what you bring in, your first fruits, the holy first, right? And I, I talk to people all the time who have different ideas about giving and, and tithe. And, and just so you know, I, I feel like this is a principle that we live out, that people have different convictions about, um, but I believe, I believe what I'm sharing with you today is true or I wouldn't be sharing it with you. And I believe I can support it biblically or I would not be sharing it with you. But if you believe that any 10% will do, because maybe you're the person who says, okay, I believe that 10% is important, but it doesn't have to be the first. It can be any 10%. I wanna share this passage with you. It's Genesis chapter four. This is in after the creation happened, Adam and Eve, they had kids that began populating the earth. Verse three of Genesis four, it says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lamb from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Not only did he look dejected, he killed his brother. Like, that goes a step beyond dejection, right? Like, that might be an understatement. So why did this happen? Why did God accept one gift and one brother but not the other? And it says very specifically, Cain brought some of his crops. 
He brought some. He said, this will do. This is good. This is, eh, it's all the same. But Abel brought a gift. It was the best portions of the firstborn lambs. One brought a portion, some. One brought the best first. And it says, God accepted Abel and his gift, but he rejected Cain and his gift. Why? Well, because one was first and the best, and one was not the first. And again, I want to bring you back to this idea. It is about our heart. It is not about the gift. It wasn't like God was saying, no, I'm, I'm doing paleo. I'm just eating meat. I'm just, you know, I'm on a carnivore diet. So that's why this gift is acceptable, right? It's not God. God, God didn't care about the specific gift. He cared about the heart. That's why it says he accepted Abel and his gift. He accepted Abel because Abel put himself in a position where he said, my heart is in alignment with yours, God. God, I want to put you first in my life. I want you to occupy, occupy the highest place of honor in my life. So God, I'm going to put you first in this area. And God accepted his gift. See, God will not be second in our lives. He won't. He's not satisfied occupying that position. Um, We've probably all been to birthday parties. If I'm making an assumption and you haven't been to a birthday party, I'm so sorry. You need to get plugged into small groups, okay? You need some friends now. Uh, but if you've been to a birthday party, okay, you go to a birthday party and yay, and everybody's happy and you bring gifts and they gather around for the cake and happy birthday. They all start singing. And at the end, they do the, the, like the, the candle and they blow out the candle and yay. And then what happens? Who gets the first piece of cake? Yeah, the birthday boy or the birthday girl. Some of you thought it was a trick question. It was not. The, the correct answer is the pastor if he's there. He gets the first piece of cake, right? No, the birthday boy gets the first piece of cake. Can you imagine if you're at a birthday party and they finish saying happy birthday to you yeah, and they blow out the candle and you immediately like elbow through and you take the cake and you cut off the corner and you cut off the good piece with like all the flowers on it and you, you scoop it up and you just start chowing down. You're going to town on the cake and everybody's like, why did you do that? And you're like, well, I'm really hungry and I needed this cake. And they're like, but the first cake, piece of the cake belongs to the birthday boy. And you're like, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't need it as bad as I do. And they're like, well, that's just not good behavior for a three-year-old's birthday party, right? And you're like, ah, forget it, right? You would all be like, this, this guy's weird. Something's wrong with this person. Why? Because the first belongs to the person of honor. And this is what happens in our lives because we say things like, oh, I love God. I'm putting God in first and I'm going to church. But we don't put God in a place of honor. We, we keep ourselves in a place of honor because we put ourselves first. We go, hey, I need it worse than he needs it. I need it more than God. And it's not about the money. It's about a spiritual discipline of us putting God in the proper place in our hearts. It helps us align with who he is. In Malachi chapter three, the, the children of Israel were in a terrible place. Um, geopolitically, socioeconomically, they were a mess. And God speaks to the prophet Malachi to the people and the, the prophets were rough. Like they, were, they did not preach easy gospel. They told truth and it was hard. And this is what God says through Malachi to the nation of Israel. Malachi 3, 6. He says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. <laughs> so let me tell you what he's saying here. He's saying, I remember the covenant I've made with your people. And that's the only reason I haven't killed you yet. That's hardcore, right? God is saying, I, I know 
the covenant I have with you. And because I have that covenant, that's why you're still alive. From the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then verse eight says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And then God answers and says, in your tithes and contributions. This is hard. God's saying, you're saying all the right things. You're, you're doing all the right things outwardly, but your heart is far from me because you haven't put me first. You're, you're putting yourself first. You're building your own kingdom instead of my kingdom. And that's the problem. And then he doesn't stop there. He says in verse nine, you're cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Then he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. And sometimes we think this is Satan attacking us the devourer is out to get us. And that's a portion of it. But it says, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine of the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. So I wanna invite the, the team that's helping me out. Go ahead and come on up. Thank you guys. So sometimes when we think about blessing, we think about blessing being what God's gonna give me. Oh, God's gonna bless me. So I'm gonna get money. I'm gonna get possessions. I'm gonna get whatever it is. But maybe God's blessing is that God is helping you steward what you have better, that you don't need a new whatever it might be. Maybe God is blessing you uh, in ways that's helping you manage what you have so that you don't lose it, so that the devourer doesn't cause you to waste it. Um, speaking of waste, uh, let's just be perfectly honest. Uh, some of you, you look at your bills at the end of the month and you're like, I spent $500 on Starbucks this month and you should not be doing that. If you're gonna spend $500 on coffee, you should go to Commonplace. Am I right? Somebody help me out now, okay? And I can be critical of that. I don't drink coffee, but, but I do drink my share and then some of unsweet tea. And one day, this is how you know you have a problem. I went to Sheets and the lady at Sheets saw me walk up with my large unsweet tea. And she said, have you ever thought about getting a subscription with us? And I was like, oh my gosh, she knows how much tea I drink. And she's like, we are taking too much of your money. We would save money. Uh, you would save money if you would do the subscription instead. So we waste money on things we shouldn't be wasting money on sometimes. And what God says is bring me the first. And this is what God says. He says, hey, when you've got increase in your life, bring me the first. When you get oranges, bring me the first batch of oranges. The first belongs to me. And we say, God, I'm gonna put you first in my life. So I'm gonna honor you with the first fruit. I'm gonna bring you my oranges. I'm gonna bring you the first of my grapes, God. I'm gonna honor you and put you first. And whatever the increase is in my life, I'm gonna say, God, you belong in the first place. You occupy that spot. God, thank you for bananas. So God, I'm gonna honor you and say, God, I know that you gave me these bananas. And so God, you occupy that position. I'm going to put you first. Thank you, God, for, for giving me the apples in my life that I know that they're a gift from you. I couldn't have gotten the apples without you. How many of you know that God loves some cauliflower? And we say, God, this cauliflower is the first cauliflower I've got. I'm giving it to you. God, did you know God was from Eastern Europe? That's why he loves cabbage so much. So God, thank you for cabbage-based meals and dishes that we get here in Western Pennsylvania. God, this cabbage that I've gotten in my life, it is a gift from you. 
So God, I'm gonna acknowledge that it's a gift by giving you the first fruit of that. This butternut squash, let's be honest, nobody even knows what to do with this, right? So God, thank you for that. I'm still gonna honor you with it. <laughs> Potatoes, God. God, all these gifts are gifts from you and I acknowledge that they're gifts from you, so I'm gonna put you first. God, this watermelon, you know it's from God because it's seedless watermelon. I don't know how it works, I don't know how it happens but it's seedless. And this is what we do. We say, God, I'm gonna put you first in my life. I'm gonna honor you first. And when I put you first, you're gonna bless the rest. You're gonna take care of the rest. Here, here you go. We didn't even, there we go. There it goes. Here's the thing. When we honor God and say, God, I'm putting you first. The first belongs to you. He says, I will bless the rest. And I don't know how this works. This is God's economy. This is God's math. God says, your hundred that's cursed won't go as far as your 90 that's blessed. Because I will bless you. I will honor you. I will take care of you. In fact, it says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour it out a blessing until there is no more need, until we can't contain it, until it spills off the table onto the first step, right? God says, if you put me first, I will bless you. I will take care of you. And this is not about getting rich. We do not give. I, let me help you with this. I want to remind you this. We do not give to get. We do not give so that God will give us what we want. That is not how God works. He is not a genie in the bottle. We give as a response to what God has given to us, how he has blessed us, how he has helped us, how he has provided for us. We give as a response to the love that we feel. In, in Matthew chapter six, verse 31, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? He said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you want. Oh wait, no, everything. You might not be able to see it because the abundance, right? Everything you need is what it says. Everything you need, God will give you. When? When you seek first the kingdom. When you say, God, I'm putting you first in my life. I'm honoring you first and foremost. God says, I will give you everything you need. See, we live in a world that's kind of a mess. And it's easy for us to default back to, man, if I just had a little more, I'd be okay. If I just made a little more money, then I'd be okay. And it's, it's just not true. Because I've seen lots of people who didn't have peace and they got a raise at work and still didn't have peace. There are a lot of people that got some stimulus checks, still didn't have peace after the stimulus check came. Why? because they didn't really need money, they needed peace. See, what if the blessing that God's talking about has nothing to do with how many dollars we have in our bank account? What if the blessing God is talking about is the blessing that comes from abundance and peace and joy? And our world is absolutely wiped out of hope right now. There is so little hope to be found in the world we live in. But, but what if God's blessing in your life says, I'm gonna deposit all the hope you need for your future. 
God's going to bless. And this is what he says. Jesus says, the, the world worries about what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? And isn't that a real concern? Because it's easy to go, God, what am I supposed to do? The economy seems to be crashing. Things seem to be bad. And God, what am I supposed to do? And he says, the world asks those questions. We don't ask those questions. Why? Because we know where our source is. We know that God is our source. It's not my job. It's not the government. It's not my retirement. God, you are my source. And if God is my source, I don't have to ask these questions. How am I gonna make it? Because if I put God first in my life, he's gonna give me everything I need. But it's hard. Malachi 3.9, he says, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. And then they ask the question, how, how are we robbing you? God, how are we robbing you? And he said, you're robbing me because you're not bringing the, the tithe and contributions, the tithe and offering." And here's the thing, they didn't look at it as robbing. And many people in our world and even in the church and Western world doesn't look at not giving and not tithing as robbing God. And the reason we don't look at it that way is because of how we look at what we have. We look at what we have as ours. This is mine. It's my money. It's my stuff. I earned it. It belongs to me. But God says, no, 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 it's mine. I gave it to you. You go, well, Mel, I've earned it. I worked for it. Yeah, but who gave you that job? Who gave you the strength to go to the job? Who gave you the talent or the ability? Who gave you the creativity? That's from God. And what we do when we put God first is we say, God, I acknowledge that everything I have is from you. That God, I, I see that everything is yours. So God, I'm gonna return back to you this first portion of it. That's all he asks for because it helps condition our hearts to understand who's really in charge. See, the tithe is either brought to God or it's stolen from God. There is no in between. See, we, we can't give what isn't ours. This isn't ours, so we don't give it to God. God, I'm doing you a favor by giving you some money. No, it's God's. You know what, my girls, uh, Abby is 20, Emma is 16. And, um, and man, I'm, my girls are a gift. I'm so grateful for my girls. And uh, we largely fund their lives. And it's shocking how generous my girls are with my money. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, I'll pay for that. Don't you worry about it. I'm like, no, no, I'm paying for that. What are you tell, talking about, right? Like they've forgotten whose it is. It's my money. Like, I'm paying for that. But it's crazy. They're like, oh yeah, I'll put gas in it. Don't worry. And it's like, of course you will. It's my money, right? It's easy to be generous with somebody else's money. But the problem is we're not generous with God because we don't think it's his. We think it's ours. That's why sometimes we hear a message like this and our hearts go, no, he's wrong. And we're resistant because we still think it's ours. It's not, it's God's. So when God says, be obedient, hey, help your neighbor, pay for their rent, they lost their job, you're, you're telling God how you're gonna spend his money. No, I'm not gonna do that, God. I'm gonna do something else instead. God's like, that's my money. God, I'm not, I'm not gonna be faithful and put you first in my finances with the church, so I'm, I'm not gonna do that. And God's going, it's my money. What are you talking about? But if we understand it's all from God, it's all God's, then it makes it easier to return to him what is his. And it's not just about what we bring back to God, it's also how we manage everything else in our lives. Are we being good stewards? And this is reality. When we put God first, 
Blessing will flow through us. See, when it comes to generosity, a lot of times we think we want blessing to come to us, right? Like, God, I want you to bless me so that I can get the boat I want and the car I want and the house I want and I can have all these things. And we're thinking about God's blessing coming to us. But I want you to think bigger than that. God wants blessing to flow through us. He wants blessing to flow through you to others. And this is why Malachi 3.12, it finishes this idea, this portion this way. It says, then all nations. So he says then, but it's, remember what it's following. After we put God first, we honor him with our tithe. We, we honor him with our contributions. We put him first, do all these things. He gives us everything we need. He's blessed us, right? All this stuff happens. Then it says, then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. He says, other nations are going to look at you and be like, how in the world are they so blessed? See, when we put God first in our life, there are people around us who are not believers. They're gonna be like, how in the world did this happen? How in the world do you have so much joy? How in the world do you have so much peace when people are losing their jobs? And, and, and the simple answer is this. You just go, you know what? God takes care of me. I put God first. I, I honor God in my life. I put God first. And that's the answer to the, that question. Genesis chapter 12. I talked about this last week um, when we were talking about big faith that before his name was changed to Abraham, his name was Abram. And Abram got this call from God in Genesis chapter 12. And I wanna read this to you again. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this is what God says. I want you to be a conduit of blessing. I want you to, to not just receive blessing, but I want blessing to flow through you. I'm gonna bless you to be a blessing. The, the purpose of my blessing your life is not to make you comfortable and happy, to not to make your life easy. He says, I'm blessing you so that you can see the need around you and bless those around you. But he doesn't stop there. He finishes with this idea. He says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. God wants to bless others through us. God could bless people without our help, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to include you and I in the blessing of others. It is more blessed to give to receive. It's not just something we tell people whenever they get a bad gift and they're frustrated. Well, it's more blessed to give to receive. This is true. It is better to give than receive. When we understand how good it is to be generous, when we understand how fun it is to be able to give and bless and help and serve others, there's no stopping us. The problem is we can't get out of our own way sometimes. But God blesses us to be a blessing. So if, if we could wave a magic wand today and magically every believer on planet earth, every Christian on planet earth would begin to tithe the first tenth of their income to their local church, this is what would happen. There'd be 165 billion extra dollars in the kingdom of God. With that $165 billion, the church could take 25 billion and end world hunger and preventable disease within five years. End world hunger and preventable disease. So no more hungry children, no more people starving to death. 
No more preventable disease. Within five years, it'd be gone. 15 billion of that could be used to solve the world's water and sanitation issue. And this is a problem because all around the world, there are kids who die from things like diarrhea because they're bathing and drinking the same water that their sewage is flowing in. They're, They're washing their clothes. They don't have the proper sanitation system. So it causes them to be sick. $12 billion would end illiteracy in five years. And you go, Mel, illiteracy doesn't seem like that big a deal compared to these others. But think about it this way. Uh, A lot of people never learn to read because they're just trying to live. They're trying to figure out how to get a meal to survive the day. So they're not worried about long-term goals. They're worried about the immediate need. But, But what if you could solve that immediate need and you could help them learn to read and write? Now you've given them upward mobility. You've given them an opportunity to improve their lives. You've given them opportunity to, to grow and develop and have a future. $1 billion would fully fund global world missions. Every missionary globally would be fully funded with a billion dollars. And then that would leave $112 billion for kingdom expansion, for planning churches, for starting works, for building hospitals, for doing all kinds of things. If globally the church would say, I'm gonna put God first. I'm gonna trust God with the first and I'm gonna be happy with 90%. I'm going to walk in the blessing of the 90 instead of the curse of the 100. Malachi 3.10, let me revisit this verse. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there is no more need. Bring the whole tithe, the full tithe into the storehouse. So let me, let me walk through this with you. The full tithe. This is the full first tenth. And there are a lot of people that um, they have different convictions about this. And so they'll go, well, I'm gonna give a percentage, but I'm not gonna give 10%. That's between you and God. Um, and so what God is saying to the, the people is, that's not what I want for you. I want you to give the full 10th, the full first 10th to me. Trust me with it. Put me first and see what I'll do. And this is what he says. There may be food in my house and the end result is you'll be blessed and you'll have everything you need. So bring the full tithe into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? Um, I've had lots of conversations about this through the years. What does it mean? What does it look like? And I will tell you this. I believe the local church is the storehouse. That if this is the church you tend most regularly, this is the storehouse. Um, I know, also know people, I've had conversations with people who've said things like, well, Mel, I give some here, but then I also watch Elevation Online and I give some there and I have this ministry that I love and I give some there. And so I tithe, but I tithe in different places. And again, that's between you and God, but let me help you with this idea. Um, When when you're in the hospital, do you think Stephen Furtick is coming to visit you? No, he's the pastor of Elevation Church in North Carolina. Very popular preacher in the world. He's not coming. If, um, If you need a wedding done in your family, is T.D. Jakes showing up to do the wedding for you? Probably not. Even though you give a portion of your money to their ministry, I'm pretty sure you couldn't even get him on the phone. If you called Potter's house in Dallas and said, I'd like to talk to Bishop Jakes, they'd be like, who are you? And be like, well, 
I give $50 a month. They'd be like, okay, thank you very much. He's unavailable, right? You're never gonna get him on the phone, let alone get him to do a wedding or a funeral. It's not gonna happen. And this is what I'm, I'm telling you. When, when you are in need, you're gonna go to the storehouse. That's where Pastor Dick's gonna show up and he's gonna walk you through some of your issues. That's where one of our pastors is gonna come by beside you and walk you through some of your issues. They're gonna help you. They're gonna be with you on your best days, be with you on your worst days. That's what we do. That's what the storehouse is. This is where people are fed. And so when it says bring your whole tithe to the storehouse, I have a conviction that this is a storehouse, that we give the first tenth to the local church and then anything above that, we give to whoever we want. The tithe is not helping your neighbor pay their rent. The tithe comes to the storehouse. And he says, then you'll be blessed. So let me help you with this. Um, tithing's not easy when you aren't giving anything or when you're giving very little. It's hard to say, I'm gonna trust God. But I hope this visual illustration is helpful. I hope this helps us see what God is asking from us is not that much compared to what he wants to do for us. That, that my 90% that's blessed is way better than 100% that's cursed. And God says right here, he says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. And he says, and put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. He said, test me. Just try me and see if I don't bless you and take care of you and give you everything you need. All throughout scripture, he says, trust me. In fact, we have strict instructions not to test God. Do not test God, right? He is to be trusted. We put our faith in him. We go, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I don't see it, but I'm gonna trust you. And in this, God says, test me. Try me. You don't believe me, try me. You don't have to believe me in this. Just try it. Um, my dad, <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, I was getting you know, more muscular and a little bigger and a little taller. And my dad was always a big man. He was country strong, worked highway construction, big hands, just a big guy, strong guy. And I would mess with him and we'd wrestle a little bit. And one day he finally stopped me and said, son, I don't care how big you get, you'll never be able to whoop me. I was like, really? And he said, yep, yep. And he said, maybe you're too big and I have to take a two by four to you, but I'm gonna take a two by four to you. Okay. And he said, two by four might not be enough, but I got my gun. I'll take care of you if I have to. You'll never be able to whoop me. You know what my dad was saying? Don't test me. Don't test me. He's saying, trust me. I, I will take you down, right? I brought you into the world. I will take you out, right? That's what he's saying. Trust me in this. Don't you test me. And God is saying the opposite of that. God's saying, you don't trust me? That's okay. Test me. You don't believe me? Try it and see what happens. And here's what we're doing. We're doing something new here at Summit. We're gonna start in the month of September. You're gonna get more information about it in the next week or so. We're gonna have a website. We're gonna have some information we'll be talking about here in the services. We're gonna do something called the 90-day tithe challenge. And what we're challenging you to do is to put God to the test. We're challenging you to say, God, I'm gonna put you first, and I'm gonna trust you to take care of everything I need. We're gonna challenge you to literally put your money where your mouth is and say, God, I'm gonna test you in this. And, and here's, here's the part I want you to understand. This is not for people who are already tithers. If you're already giving the first 10th of your income to God, that's awesome. You know how good it is to trust God with what you have. This is for the people 
who don't give the first 10%. Maybe you don't give anything and that's okay. There's no condemnation. We believe this is such a good thing to live generously and live open-handedly that we wanna invite you to do it as well. So this is what we're doing. We're inviting you to begin this journey for 90 days, starting sometime during the month of September. And over the course of that 90 days, we believe you are gonna be so blessed God is gonna take care of every need that you're gonna see the goodness of God at work like never before in such a way that at the end of the 90 days, you're gonna say, that's great. I'm so glad I did this. But for those of you that finish the 90 days and you don't feel like God has been better to you than what you deserve, you don't feel like God has been good to you, you don't feel like God has provided for you, you don't feel like you are in a better position at the end of the 90 days with the 90% that's blessed than the 100% that's cursed, then we're giving you a money back guarantee. The entire amount of money that you've given to Summit Church over that 90 days, we're gonna write you a check and return it back to you. No questions asked. We're not gonna ask you to explain it. We're not gonna present the Spanish Inquisition. We're not gonna waterboard you, nothing. If you say, God has not been good to me since I started this, then we're gonna give you your money back. Now, there are gonna be some guidelines. There are gonna be some things we ask you to do. We're gonna ask you to help us be able to track that so you can't just... Um, say at the end, yeah, I gave $100,000 over the last 90 days. I'd like the money back. I'm like, well, we gotta be able to track that. So we're gonna ask you to put your cash in offering envelopes. We're gonna ask you to, to write a check or whatever it might be, give online so we can keep track of that, so we can walk with you. And we're gonna provide you resources along the way. We're gonna provide you encouragement along the way. And we're gonna help you along the way because we believe it is so good to trust God and to live generously that we wanna invite you to do the same thing. So please understand, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame. This is just an invitation to put God to the test, to trust him with your finances and see how good he really is. Here's what I know about God. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If we don't allow him to be Lord of our whole life, he's not willing to be Lord of portion of it. He's not sharing custody of our hearts. He wants to be Lord over all of it. And for some of us, we've said, God, you can be Lord over my salvation, but you can't be Lord of my finances. That's not how God works. Today, I'm challenging you to say, God, I'm putting you first in my life. I'm taking myself off the throne and I'm trusting you with everything. Second Corinthians 9, 10 says this, he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What it's saying is God supplies the seed for you to give and be generous with others, but he also supplies the bread for your food. He's gonna give you everything you need and he's gonna give you what you need to be a blessing to others, for, to be a conduit of blessing. That's what God wants for us. So I wanna invite you into that. Right now, I'm turning it over to our hosts in Blairsville. They're gonna close out our time. They're gonna give, it, give me a chance to respond. So I just want you guys to know, I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you all. So today, we talk about generosity, but it really begins with the generosity that, that Jesus showed when he willingly went to the cross. He willingly laid down his life for us. His sacrificial act as a spotless lamb redeemed us. That we're sinners, that we're not good on our own. We were not acceptable on our own. We needed someone to redeem us and he willingly did that. This generous act is what allowed us to know life and know him and know eternity. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online and you recognize, you know what, God hasn't been first in my life. 
And that's evidence through maybe your generosity, but you just recognize in your heart, Jesus is not first. He's occupying a place in your life, but he's not first. And today you say, I wanna put Jesus first in my life. I want him to occupy the highest place of honor, the highest place of affection in my heart. I wanna surrender my life to him fully. And today's your day. I wanna give you that chance. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for loving us like you do. God, I don't know why you invite us in to your purposes and plans. I don't know why you would allow us to be part, but I'm grateful that you do. God, I pray for those that don't know you today, those that are, are far from you today, those that maybe their hearts are hard. I pray that you would soften their hearts and draw them to you. Help them see how good you are. Help them see how beautiful you are. And I pray that that would make the difference in their lives. So God, I pray today would be a day of full surrender. That God, those that maybe, maybe they've been religious, but they don't really know you. Let today be the day. They say, yes, let today be the day. They say, God, I'm gonna put you first. I wanna know you. God, have your way with us over these next few minutes. Be glorified in what happens in this place. Now, with nobody looking around, if you'd say to me, Mel, I know I'm not really serving God. I know I'm not walking with God. I know for sure he's not first in my life, but I recognize the importance of that. And today I, wanna, I want him to occupy the, the first place of honor and affection in my heart. I want him to be number one. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but if you wanna be included in that prayer to surrender your life to Christ, would you be willing to raise your hand up real high where I can see it? Yeah, thank you, a couple hands on my right. Who else? Yeah, thank you on my far right. Yeah, up in the balcony, I see you. Who else would say, Mel, include me in that prayer. I wanna surrender my life to Christ. I want him to be first in my life. Yep, thank you, I see you on my right in the back. Just a few more seconds, anyone else? Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want us to pray this prayer out loud with our mouth, but I want us to pray it from our heart. Don't just repeat it mindlessly like a robot. Say this from the core of your being, from your very soul. So pray this prayer with me out loud. All of you in this room, all of you watching online, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your one and only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. Thank you that he redeemed me from my sin. From now on, I turn away from my old life and I'm chasing after you. I'm putting you first, so be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture says you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. Um, I talked last week about knowing Jesus. What does it really mean to know Jesus? And what we just did is we introduced you to Jesus. You're saved, you're going to heaven, but we want you to experience abundant life. We want you to know what it really means to know Jesus. So we want you to get connected with us and help us take you, uh, help you take the next step. So this is what you need to do. Take one minute and fill out the card in the seat back in front of you. And then take it to the info center when we finish in a minute. Um, give that to them. They're gonna give you a Bible. And then they're gonna get you pointed in the right direction. If you're watching online or you're here in the room and you prefer, you can simply text Summit PA to number 94000 and let us know about your decision. You can select the prompt that says salvation and let us know. We're gonna respond back to you and uh, we're gonna get some of your information. And again, we're gonna connect you to resources and relationships that are gonna help you grow. Here's what's gonna happen right now. 
Pastor Kendall and Anna are gonna lead us in a final song. We're gonna sing together. And while we're singing this final song, some of our staff and some of our prayer team are gonna be available here at the front of this room. And if you'd like prayer for any reason at all, no matter what it may be, I wanna encourage you. Find one of our team, let them pray with you before you go today. Uh, and then in just a minute, um, Pastor Kendall will close us out and we'll be dismissed. Why don't you stand your feet all over the room? Let's worship together one more time before we go today, guys. Um, and I know somebody's gonna ask, so let me just tell you this too. All this is being donated to a local, uh, local charity, so it's not going to waste. It's not going in my uh, car on the way home, anything like that, don't worry. But uh, we're gonna make sure some people get this stuff that needs it. I love you guys more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have an awesome week.